Welcome to the ATF Podcast. In this episode, we had the privilege of speaking with John Huber from Crown Head Cigars. Enjoy the show. Welcome, John. Thanks for, thanks uh, for joining. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how interesting or valuable I'm going to prove to your listeners, but uh, the American dream is a lot to live up to, my friend. We'll do our best. You're, you're doing it. You're doing it. You have an awesome brand. Thank and you. you're Thank you. And it's very clear that everything you're doing is, is uh, how would I say it? Ret- is retro the word? Just classic American? You know, I, it's, it's I don't know what, what to categorize you guys as. I don't know. It's good. I like it. I don't like to be put in a box and close the lid and I'm stuck there. You know, I, I like to be able to go wherever it, it, the inspiration takes me, man. So if it comes right. out as retro or classic Americana, that's fine if you want to call it that. And next week it may be, you know, Paisley and Pink. Who knows? So it's, it is what it is. I don't really, I don't focus on defining the brand image so much as I, aspire to creating an aspirational brand if that makes any sense sure so how what's your thirty thousand foot view what's Mm -hmm. your story and intro to the cigar industry so basically i i I reached a a point in my life many years ago where uh, i made a firm decision to like stop chasing the bag stop chasing the dollar and just really listen to my gut and see where it takes me not worrying about money and just go okay what is it that if i could wake up every day and do i wouldn't feel like i got a job it's just it's fun i get to do it and i literally spent a lot of soul searching time and i kind of narrowed down the draft board to things that were were had an agricultural element to them that were handmade that had romance and tradition those were the key points on my whiteboard of what would define my career so to speak and i narrowed it down to wine and cigars and i literally i I chased after it and at that time there was no uh you know like there was no one ads for guys to work in the cigar business or anything like that so i kind of did it the old school way started just putting out in the universe writing letters getting rejected by everybody and what uh, year what this this was in uh 95 95 going into 96 and I, i landed upon or they landed upon me, a company called CAO International that was based out of Nashville and um, gave, me a, gave me a shot. I started off as a shipping manager just to get my foot in the door, but I was so convinced that like, okay, I know I can, I can do something in this business because it's, well, it's really in my heart to do it. I fell in love with cigars. So that's what happened. I started off as a, uh, a shipping manager for CAO back in the day and um, quickly, and rapidly worked my way up the food chain. Like within five months, I was promoted to director of promotions and public relations. And then in short order, I became chief marketing officer. And then there was a restructuring and I became the director of lifestyle marketing. And But always having my hand in the, the product development mix, that's what really kind of got my juices flowing. And, and that ride lasted until 2010. Um, my last day at CAO was December 17, 2010 and December 21st, I had took my first meeting with my business partner, <clears throat> Mike Condor and mm-hmm. February of 11, we announced crown heads and crown heads started shipping cigars in November of 20 of, uh, of 11. So a little over 10 years ago, we've been doing this, which in this industry, for people that don't know anything about premium cigars, it's like dog years so if you if you could make your brand last and be relevant for 10 years it's like 70 in any other industry so it's i'm proud of what we've done so far yeah it's it's been great so so to go back before cao mm-hmm. and before you started reaching out to these brands 
Mm. Or what cigar is something you've just been into since no, you can I remember mean, or what I, sparked I, that? I had the usual like casual relationship with, with cigars, you know, like anybody else, like in college, you're smoking backwoods and playing poker and you think you're a big guy or something, you know, sit around drinking tequila and smoking cheap cigars. Um, what really got me, it was all by happenstance. Um, I had recently moved from LA to Nashville and I was going back to San Francisco to visit my family. And I wanted to pick out a gift, like a guy's gift, so to speak for my father. And I was driving and I noticed this cigar store called Uptown Smoke Shop. And I said, Hey, cigars would be kind of a cool thing. So I walk into this store and it was like this epiphany. Like it sounds really corny and cliche, but as soon as I walked into the humidor, and the smell, the aroma of like the cedar mixing with the, the tobacco. And I was just like, mm -hmm. it was like, boom, light bulb moment. Like I'm home. This, this is where I'm supposed to be. Literally it happened like that. And so I went through the, the selection of cigars with one of the retail clerks, flew to California, smoked some cigars with, with the old man. And then I, I come back here and then I'm like, I got to get into this. And I found a magazine, Cigar Aficionado in a wine store, ironically, at bought it and I read it front to back and I would start to go to back to uptowns and, and whatever money I had left over at the end of the week, I would, you know, put my dollars together and go buy cigars based on the ratings and try to develop my palate, take notes, paste the bands in the notebooks, all that kind of a thing. And that went on for the better part of a half a year. And I'm like, I got to get into this. I got to figure this out. And the last page in that magazine, was an ad from a company that was called CAO International and it was 830 Kendall Drive, Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm like, well, shit, I'm in Nashville. Mm -hmm. this, this is right. So cold call of the company and, and uh, I leave several messages, write letters. It's crickets, you know, and I'd been rejected by everybody. Not even that smoke shop would hire me for $7 an hour as a clerk. I couldn't, I couldn't get arrested. Um, and then about four months later, I get this phone call on my, my voicemail at my job. And, um, it's Jono, rest in peace. And he's saying, yeah, I, I, I just need somebody. If you want to help out, just come in and we'll, we'll interview. And I did. And I went in there and I interviewed and came back for a second interview. And I said, look, just, just pay me the chump change I'm making now at this temp job. And let me try to, you know, prove myself here. And, um, and that's how it started. And as I started on April the 15th, 96 with CAO. That's awesome. Why Nashville? Why Nashville? Um, I was born and raised in San Francisco, moved to LA when I was 17 to go to college, stayed there for a dozen years. And LA just started to really just grade on me. I mean, it was just, it got to, it, it beats you up, you know, mm -hmm. unless you're, you know, you're, you're, you're wealthy and you can live in Malibu and you, you know, then it's a great place. But um, when you're living in a 500 square foot bachelor studio in West LA and then eventually in the Valley, and you're, you're living on peanut butter and, and bread. It's, it's, a, it's a tough grind. So I ended up, had the opportunity to move to Nashville, did that. And as they say, everything happens the way it's supposed to. Because you're pretty rooted there now. Very, very rooted there now. Um, yeah, I, I don't see myself, you know, it's kind of like stay who brought you to the dance. And Nashville has been very yeah. good to me and my family. Um, no, not to say I'm going to be here for forever, but I, I do have aspirations of living in other places, but not right now. Yeah, a few months back, I was talking to your sales rep, Dave, mm. and I was talking about uh, him introducing us um, and then talking about getting involved with Crown Heads um, and doing some content with you guys. And he's like, 
one thing to note, you're going to have to do it in Nashville if it's not virtual because you're not going to get John to leave. <laughs> no, that's very true. That's for a, for a myriad of other reasons. But yeah, I don't, I don't travel very much. Um, even before the pandemic, to be perfectly honest, I just, I mean, and if, when I do travel, if I have to do like the PCA show or the TAA show or, or whatever, it's, it's, yeah. I kind of joke and say it's in my rider, but my wife and my daughter come with me wherever I go. That's you awesome. I'm, I'm like the, like the country music artists that they have the bus with their family on it. That's, that's kind of my gig. Like, I just don't want to be without them like for a, a minute. So. Right. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. So talk about the brand. What, you have really unique branding, and what what I find interesting about Crown Heads is you look at the facings on the shelf, and they're so different. You've got Las Calaveras, that's behind you. Yeah. Um, Juarez, they're kind of that in that similar vein, maybe. Would you say? No, I think you're absolutely no. right. There's nothing really. There's no no connectivity between a lot of our brands, and that was intentional. I mean, honestly, like. When Mike and I first started taking our meetings um, and he said, you want to do something? He goes, absolutely. He said, but with the caveat that I do not want to create CAO 2.0. And he's like, okay, go to town. And I deliberately and consciously created uh, the brand Crown Heads to be as abstract enough and obtuse enough so that I would have the creative latitude underneath that umbrella to create different brands and the way i pitched it to mike was like look i want to create this band called crown heads first album is not going to sound like the second album or the third or the fourth or the fifth i want that creative latitude where i don't have to tag everything crown heads x crown heads y crown heads c i just that's the way i see it and that's the way i want to do it whereas prior to that like cao it was like we would take a theme if you will like um uh let's say mx2 which is maduro times two and then we would run it Next with CX2, Cameroon times two, and then LX2, Lihero times two. And then you had CAO Brasilia, CAO America, CAO Italia. So you see where I'm going. It's kind of like, mm -hmm. you know, this retread and threes. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do something that was like what I was feeling at the moment. And that was four kicks. And four kicks looks nothing like Las Calaveras. And it looks nothing like La Imperiosa. It looks nothing like Jericho Hill and Mil Diaz. So, it, you know, it was... It was done that way intentionally just because I wanted to have that creative space where I'm not, I don't put myself in this crown heads box and I'm stuck, you know? So that's right. really important to get out of the gate like that. I've introduced so many people to crown heads over the years and it's, it's funny because I am a Mil Diaz mm -hmm. and then they're like, what's this new brand Mil Diaz? And I was like, nope, that's crown heads. And then hand them Imperios and look, that's crown heads. That's <laughs> Well, to, to make it a little bit easier on the consumer level, we started to, to uh, put a footband on everything we do for the most part. It says, yeah, it looks good. You know, and it kind of is a nice way to tie everything together. Oh, this is a crown head cigar. Because when we first started out, everybody thought we were four kicks. I'm like, no, we're actually crown heads. Uh, there was a little confusion there. And then eventually, after doing it over and over and over, people realized crown heads was the company. And now we had different brands. So it's it's gotten easier over the years. But initially, it was, it was a tough way to start for sure right what's what inspires your branding what because like you said it's just kind of all over the place mm. um very well thought out super interesting it definitely stands out i, um, I like and appreciate that you think it's well thought out <laughs> it, 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 you know it's it's not if it isn't it appears to be in your then thank you um, making a bunch of really clever accidents <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good way that i like that clever accidents um no, man, it's, it's I, like my inspiration comes from, I would honestly say it comes from everywhere 
except for the cigar world. Um, okay. Because I think if, if you're inspired by other brands or what anybody else is doing, you're just, you're just following the leader. You're not going to do anything different. So I, I take my inspiration from everything from music to art to skate culture to fashion. I mean, the, the, I, I'm constantly inundating myself with all kinds of outside um, stimuli, I guess. And not much of it comes from the cigar business because I just I just don't want it to look and feel like everything else everybody else is doing. There's definitely a range right now, especially right now in cigar branding. Mm-hmm. You have the super traditional, which yeah. which I think needs to be there. I think it mm-hmm. needs to keep the respect and tradition of where everything started. Exactly. Um, and then you've got brands that are just the far opposite side of that just yeah. completely modernized um yours have this classic design so mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like it's a huge departure from yeah I historical think ne- bands and, and branding um, I, I definitely always have a conscious thing that like, i want to respect the tradition of the craft because the, the romance of that of this craft this art is what got me excited about doing something. And it was my whole thing was like, you know, my, I've, my good friend is Pete Johnson at Tatuaje. He says, yeah, I've heard him use a quote before. He's like, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. I'm just trying to put my fingerprints on it. So the wheel meaning like, you know, classic Cuban cigars and, and things of that nature. And then I'm just trying to put my fingerprints on it in, in my own way. Um, but like some of the stuff that comes out to me without naming names and pointing fingers is, it's, it's pretty much disrespectful to the brands that came before us to the, even the guys that are still in the, the game today. Like I, you know, I grew up literally in this business. Like my heroes were like Carlito Fuente and Pedron senior and, and Fuente senior, Ernesto Perez Carrillo. These were the guys that were like on my Mount Rushmore, you know? Mm-hmm. And I see how they do it. And I'm like, I, I want to respect that and, and not, you know, just, I mean, some of the stuff that's, been coming out in the last year is just i scratch my head and go really i mean did you, did you need to do that so um and you know maybe it has its place and maybe there's a whole modern smoker that I, i'm not even aware of but for me yeah there is that res- respect to the tradition and the craft and then i'm just trying to put what's in my head there on it kind of if that makes sense yeah yeah it looks great your, your brand's great um when it comes to blends you're across the board. My, my first introduction to crown heads was the Imperiosa. Mm-hmm. And that was in a phase that I was like only smoking broadly full bodied. Yeah. Yeah. Um, lately, I don't know if it's a change in palette or just trying to explore everything that's on the shelf Been veering back towards the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the crown heads line, there's something there that's excellent. And then, like the Juarez, like, Fantastic. Mil Diaz. I don't. There's not many cigars that have that I bought boxes of because I've had the opportunity to try so many. Mil Diaz, the first time I had it, I went and bought the box. And then the Magicos bought the box. Um, do you have as a brand like a profile you're trying to stick to or or similar to Los Calaveras or every year? It's a totally different blend is that how you look at yeah i mean the only thing i try to think of is like 
not to cannibalize our, our own portfolio too much. Yeah. Um, but you can have more than one, for instance, broadleaf cigar, and it can be completely different. Like, you know, we've done broadleaf with four different factories to this point, and each one of them has its own unique characteristic. Um, I, I kind of think that like the domestic market smokes with their eyes. And by that, I mean, like everybody gravitates towards dark, like, you know, they want yeah. it to be as dark. Right. And, and so we followed that trend for, for a while. Imperioso was Havana Oscuro, very dark wrapper. Um, we found that people really responded to the broadleaf stuff that we did, the San Andreas Mexican Maduro wrappers that we used, things of that nature. But then, uh, you know, I just get to a point where like I, I want to smoke something that's not dark and that's something that I want to change it up. So I, I kind of validate blends based on what I'm feeling at the moment. And Mel Diaz is a prime example. Um, it started off with a blend that I was given in 17 and it, it, I thought it was beautiful visually, but I just thought it was really aggressive on the palate. I'm thinking if we can massage this and just take it in a different direction, I think we, we might have something. And then, you know, we played with it off and on. Uh, with uh, Tobacco Lara Pichardo and Luciano Morales over a period of about three years. And then I remember in January of 20, they sent me a, a recent sample. And I was just like, as soon as I smoked it, I'm, I said, game changer. I said, this will change the game for us. And, and it did. It really did. And I knew right then, as soon as I smoked it, it was like that aha moment, like, bam, that this is, this is it. And I smoke that cigar probably more than, than anything. If it's got a band on it, I, that's what I go to. But lately, like everything I'm smoking in, in this season right now is unbanded. Mm -hmm. It's prototype. It's sample one, two, three, four, five, whatever. And it's, it's a lot of product development right now. So, but yeah, I, I just try to just go with what I'm feeling at the moment. Like, I mean, not to get too far ahead of myself, but like this, we're doing a PCA exclusive in July that's unlike anything we've ever done and i'm not trying to sell anybody on it but it's it's a complete 180 from strong cigars it's really mild light easily approachable cup of coffee it's it, there's no edges to it it's just very and that that's what i was feeling at the moment for that particular blend i'm like i, I want to smoke something like that i don't want to smoke something right. that's like you know what i mean because i think sometimes I think cigar smoking should be something that enhances your your experience. It should be not should be a, it shouldn't be a challenge to get through a cigar where you're you got beads of sweat and you feel nauseous and like, oh wow, this is great because it's strong. I, I I don't think that's what it was meant to be. It should be something that has complexity, balance, richness. You can have strength without making yourself sick. Let's just put yeah. it that way. So yeah, I mean we we're all over the board with our blends be honest with you I mean, we've been doing it long enough that we've done so many different variations on the theme and we still haven't exhausted the the possibilities so it's, it's always fun to create new things if you have the opportunity when you're not working to sit down with a cigar that's not your own is there something you gravitate towards mm. i smoke first of all i smoke all my cigars here in the office i don't smoke at home i don't smoke around my family i just when I go home, it's like separation of church and state. I'm not the cigar guy as much. I try to turn that off as much as possible. Um, so when I'm smoking here, if I'm not smoking something from us, I'm a huge fan of, of pretty much everything Pete Johnson's done. Tatuaje. Uh, I love Illusion. I love Dion Zepernay. Um, You know, pretty much anything new that I can get my hands on, uh, I'll try. But those are the sure. two mainstays. Uh, 
I'm a big fan of Willie Herrera, obviously. Um, yep. I, I love his style of cigar making. Like I'll, I'll call him up and just beg him, send me something to smoke, dude. I just want to smoke something different, you know, and he laughs at me. And, um, but yeah, those, those are kind of the guys I gravitate towards their, their, their styles. Um, haven't, there's not a lot of new, new stuff that's come out in the last, say, two or three years that really kind of caught my eye. But mm-hmm. those are those are two guys, Dion and Pete. Like, I think, yeah. for me, if there's a boutique, quote-unquote, Mount Rushmore, those guys, for sure. Yep. Yeah, Dion, Pete, Nick Malillo. Nicholas. That's a brand. Nick, Nick and uh, and Pete. Yeah, Nick, Nick and Hemidor oh, at the shop near here. They're stacked on top of each other. And Nicholas is like a tobacco scientist, man. That guy knows more yeah. about just the the element of tobacco and agriculture and processing and fermentation than pretty much anybody I know in the industry that's a brand owner. I, I think he's, he's... And he's excited about it. He yeah. He's, yeah. He's Definitely. crazy busy, but he's... Like, if you get time to talk to him about that aspect of it, mm-hmm. like, it's clear this is his passion. Yeah. 100%. Um, and I don't see that. Where I'll be honest with you, just speaking candidly, like I don't think Nicholas got enough credit for when he was at Drew Estate. He was mm-hmm. so behind the scenes at Drew that he never got his chance to really shine. And he deserves a lot of credit for everything from Liga Provada to Nico Rustica and everything in between. Guy's genius. Yeah. Very smart dude. Yeah, he's uh he's writing an article for us on just the process of seed to cigar. I'm excited to see that. Couldn't think of a better guy to come together. Hundred percent. Um, right. Uh, for your brand or your career, or you pick. Is there is there something that you have been wanting to do with the brand, or wanting to do career wise that you haven't been able to do that's still in your mind? It, not really. I mean, in terms of like, am I at the end of the road with it? No, not not by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, my goal for crowned heads was always beyond cigars it was like i didn't want to just be a cigar company which is why we didn't call it like condor Huber cigar company or some something like that i wanted to have a name that i could apply it you know crown heads could be a spirit crown heads could be a wine crown heads could be a coffee crown heads could be anything um and you know for me it's just about the creative process and when we started crown heads i said i want to make an aspirational brand I don't want to yep. necessarily make this, you know what I mean? I didn't want to make it just about, it's like Harley. I always use Harley as, as the fallback for this example because the brand Harley Davidson and that logo, and it's so iconic that people everywhere resonate with that message, even if they don't ride a, or own a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. They aspire to that rebellious, that image, that free spirit. So you might, you know, I have somebody wearing a Harley t-shirt that never even owned a bike. That's literally what I want to do with, with Crown Heads. I wanted to say, okay, here are two guys from you know the South, not Cuban expatriates or anything like that, that have created a, a successful cigar business. So that inspires me as a person to go, why can't I create whatever I want to and put it out there? You know, you don't know until you try kind of thing. And that's what I really want to do. That was my message with Crown Heads. And that's why we use that whole carve your path mantra to this day. Because yeah. we said when the rules don't make sense, and it didn't make sense for Mike and I to start this company at all, it made no sense. Probably, you know, destined for failure. But it, when it doesn't make sense, carve your own path, make your own way, and then aspire to that. And that—that's really what means a lot to me. 
if I can inspire other people to follow their dream and their passion and, and create a livelihood out of it, then yeah, that is the American dream, right? So yeah. Yeah. You said you didn't have anything inspiring. There you go. Well, you know, if I could just be an example of like, yeah, you can, you don't have to work for the man and to just get by to me, that's like kind of a, a waste of, of life and life is so fleeting and so precious. It really is. And, um, it's, you know, it's funny that you brought up Harley. So yeah. we, well, I'm in Wisconsin, so they're in our backyard, so you can't avoid them. Mm -hmm. um, but we put this video together as, as an ad at a voiceover artist who's actually based in Nashville, uh, record for us. And when you talk about that free spirited, just American grit mm -hmm. vibe mm -hmm. that Harley ads specifically give off. I have not yet linked the two, but the ad that we threw together now that I think about it, I'm like, yeah, that, that fits. I got, I got, I have this queued up. I got to show you this. Are we going to watch it now? Yeah. Check this out. Just a minute long. Okay. America has never been easy. Our forefathers were driven by the gritty desire for a better life. They were willing to work hard and sacrifice for it. This spirit is ingrained in every American, a little bit rebel, a little bit cowboy. Alcohol, tobacco, and firearms have ridden alongside Americans through all of our chapters. From the Revolutionary War to Prohibition to the trade embargoes, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms have been a source of celebration and conflict. ATF is an American lifestyle magazine created for you by guys just like you. We uncover the stories behind true patriots pursuing their passions, those who still believe the American dream is alive and well because they are living it. Both the industry titans and the underdogs creating truly great products out of passion and drive. Pour yourself a drink, light a cigar, and join us on this journey. Subscribe today. I got goosebumps. I, I love that. That's that was. Thank you. Nailed it. Nailed. It. Brilliant. I could not have encapsulated that in better than you did. What's it? Sixty seconds or whatever. But uh, yeah, beautiful. beautiful. Makes um, me proud to like be doing what I'm doing. You know. Um, it's it's cool. It's kind of like I got the same feeling. I remember, <clears throat> I think it was ninety six or seven or eight. One right when I first got in, and um, the trade show wasn't PCA at the time as RTDA. So this is like, just to paint the picture, this is the big annual trade show. This is like, you know, what magic is to apparel. This is to Spurns. Mm -hmm. So we go, we're in, we're in Vegas. And at that time they used to have like guest speakers that would come up and talk during breakfasts during the convention. And I remember the first one, I the first breakfast I went to, there was an actor by the name of George Hamilton. And he's like this old school Hollywood dude. He's like, even, I don't know if anybody knows him. He's the guy that was really perpetually tan. He's like, I think he, uh, what did he do? Like he played evil Knievel in the movie or something. But anyway, this guy gets up there and like an hour into his speech, I'm like, fuck, I am in the coolest industry in the world. I have the best job in the world. Even though I was making mm -hmm. like probably $30,000 or something. And I just, I was so excited and proud to be associated with this business. Cause this man just delivered this incredible speech about craft and romance and tradition and cigars kind of gave me the same feelings that that did as well that's so, awesome yeah yeah we i feel like well just a little bit of backstory like my niche outside of my day job for years has been photography and cigars mm -hmm. um 
so when we threw this idea out there for the magazine and the publication, um, it's myself and our designer and our, and our, and our owner at, um, really focusing and curating this, this project and this magazine. And it's naturally fallen on the cigar side so far, especially just with a lot of the content and, mm-hmm. um, context and networking and just the whole, the whole thing. Cause that's what we knew. Um, or that's what I knew. Uh, but it's so much broader than that. And I think we're going to see it flow as it develops, like, especially for PCA, it's going to be a more heavy cigar issue. And then shot show in Vegas in January, that's going to be uh, a lot uh, farther in on the, the firearm side mm-hmm. um, and the alcohol side. It blend, it all, it all blends so well. And that's, um, that's what we're aiming to do is how do we curate content that introduces someone who might be really into whiskey to mm-hmm. cigars or to firearms? Or how do we teach people how to use them safely um, right. and understand the gravity of, of firearms and training and things like that? Um, or just these uh, the history and traditions of the significance, especially in American history, of whiskey and bourbon like it's it's so rooted oh yeah. Um, and as as these things develop it it's just taking these three categories and yeah and it's like all three of those things like you you just so eloquently did in that ad really are part and parcel of like the american culture and our history of hundreds of years as, as, as a country and i think it's 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 a good reminder to you know that these things have been around for centuries you know and Right. And it's just, it's, it's cool. You know, and you, you don't want to lose sight of that, where we came from. And right. it's, it's nice that all three of those things are still part of our culture today and hopefully yeah. will be for quite some time. I feel like, I mean, it's been proven out in history through the prohibition and embargoes and things like that. The more they get pushed against, yep, the more they right. open up and expand. And, um, yeah, and we've gone through our thing as an industry because I've been doing this for half my life now. And I, you know, I remember when S chip came around and they were going to tax the, everybody was afraid that cigars would be taxed so bad that, oh, they're going to go away and everybody's going to lose their job. And I'm like, and I always said, I said, prohibition didn't work the first time and it won't work again. I said, you no. can't tell people in America what they can and cannot do. They have to be given the freedom of, of choice to, to make their own decision. And so here we are still, we survived a lot of things and we'll survive the FDA as well. Yeah. What do you, what do you think people can be doing or companies can be doing to, to help continue to move the industries forward? Cause that's a big piece of this. That's a big, yeah, big thing. I, PCA not, tries to do, draw attention yeah. to. I mean, yeah, no, no question. I mean, I kind of stay out of that lane. I'm not really a political activist kind of guy. I'm more of a creative right. kind of a guy. And so I don't really get that involved with it. And I, and I tell like Mike, Condor, my business partner, he's like on a lot of different boards and, and all these things, and he's more tied to the political language. And I let him do that because I think if I get bogged down thinking about this FDA ruling or where they might go or, you know, all of these, these things, deeming regulations, what have you, then I can't do my job effectively. I just kind of have to create with an open mind and whatever happens, happens. But I, I feel sure. very confident. That, like I said, prohibition didn't work the first time. You can't tell people in this country what you, what you can and cannot do. If you try to do that, you're going to get pushback, and you know it's going to be a revolt of, of some sort. We see it all the time in the news, you know. So, 
I'm not, I don't really concern myself that much with it. You know, I'm just kind of going until sure. somebody tells me I can't. And then not I'll a bad thing. Way to go, you know. So about the topic of the American dream. Yes. How would you, how would you define that? It's, I feel like it has a pretty, it has a basic definition of working uh, or building up your, your dream, your business, your talent, whatever that is from the ground up. Mm-hmm. and you putting you putting in what you expect to get out of it um how has that influenced your brand your career i think the american dream is, is a broad thing like it, what what it means to me may not be the same to some other person you know somebody may think the american dream is getting a nine to five and coming home and kissing your wife every night and if i think what the american dream is is finding happiness period hard stop mm-hmm. like and what makes me happy is creating right so like if i can create a livelihood where i get paid literally to create whether that be cigar brands or merchandise and apparel or design whatever that's what keeps me going and i get paid for it that's the bonus yeah but you know a, a big component of my personal american dream is my family is my wife is my kids you know that like I go home and I smile when, when my daughter comes, you know, I'm, I'm gassed at the end of the day. I mean, if I, I could tell you my schedule and you'd be like, Oh my God. Right. But when I go home and she's like full of energy and runs up to me, smile, daddy, daddy, dude, that's, that's a big piece of the American dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, being, having a, a wonderful wife and a great partner and, and a best friend. Um, that's another big component of the American dream. So I've been blessed with those as well. It's not just about career. It's, oh. it's about, you know, it's, it's a bigger picture than that. I mean, so, you know, I'd, I'd say wife, family, and then having a livelihood where I can feel like I'm not going to, to a job, like I'm getting paid to do what I love. So I've been very fortunate, knock on wood. I, you know, if it all ended today, I'd, I'd feel pretty damn good about it, you know? Um, yeah. So, I, listen, I, I can juxtapose it with I've had the other side of the coin where I didn't have the family, I didn't have the, the wonderful wife and partner. And I had some of the worst jobs you could imagine. I mean, when I was in LA, I was telemarketing dog shampoo and, and, and more sun. Yeah, literally like you got this back in the day where like, you know, all these starving actors who have, you'd be in a cubicle and you sit there and you go through the cold call sheet and you call up like, da, 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 da. Hey, uh, have you ever tried Mr. Crystal's indoor, you know, tanning supply and da, da, da. it was horrible, man. I've had some really, really tough jobs. So, I can appreciate what I have even more because I have, you know, I've been on the other side of the coin where I hated my job. I hated a lot of things and I was pretty, pretty miserable sod. So, you know, I'm very happy today for sure. That's awesome. Do you see, where do you see yourself in five, 10 years? If that, if that's even a thing in your mind or do you have any goals coming up that you. Um, yeah, my, you know, I don't, I don't do the five year, 10 year plan thing. I, I mean, I stay, I try to stay in the moment. Like, how can I be the best today? Like, how do I, you know, I always wake up and say, okay, how am I going to grow spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally, and professionally? Those are the five things that I, I talk to myself in the morning about, like, how am I going to, and then at the end of the night, I come home and I go, okay, how did I do that? How was I better spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally, professionally? And, you know, some nights I don't check those boxes. Some nights I do. But I mean, I don't re- I try to, like I said, stay in the moment. I don't go, oh, in five years, I want to be on the cover of Cigar Fish Magazine. I care less. 
you know, 10 years, I want to sell the business. I don't, if it happens, it happens. You know, I just, my, my big thing is like, you know, stay on the board and ride the wave all the way to the shore. That's it, wherever it takes you and just enjoy the freaking ride. Right. So right. that's, that's really where my, my mindset is. I mean, I've had people ask me the question, like, would you sell the company and, and those kind of things? And it, and it all comes down to monetary things. And that, while that's important, it's not the end all because like I realize like today, if somebody gave me a, a check for eight figures, I'd be calling my wife and go, let's go to dinner. And then mm -hmm. probably in short order, I'd be like, what the hell am I going to do for the rest of my life? You know? Um, so I, I still need that creative outlet, you know? So I don't, I don't know how, how long it'll, it'll be. I don't know how far the, the shore is away right now, but I'm going to stay on the board and enjoy the ride. You mentioned your passion of wine earlier. Is that something you've ever pursued? I pursued a lot. Or want to? Yeah, you know. Not drink. Yeah, I gave that up. Actually, it's ironic because, you know, we're talking about alcohol and tobacco, but I'm probably one of the few guys that I know in my circles that doesn't drink at all. I gave up spirits in like 17, and then I gave up wine and beer in 19 completely. So I haven't, I haven't even had a, a, a Bud Light in three plus years. Um, just because, and that, that decision for me, even though I really love, especially wine, like I became a wino basically because I would like, I'd love to taste. I love the different varietals of grapes. I really went down that rabbit hole. But um, for me, it was like, it became like a filter and I didn't want to filter my my life experience any longer like by that i mean like you know what i mean it was like you you, you want to celebrate i would go you know you drink a glass of wine and that kind of numbs you out so you're not really feeling the celebration if you're having a shitty day you drink the wine and you try to numb it out so you're not really feeling the shitty day you know i wanted to go okay i'm at a point in my life where i want to feel everything good bad and in between so that's why i cut all that stuff out and so now it's like coffee and cigars is about the only vice per se um, but, um, yeah, I, I love the, the aspect of wine, the wine making, um, shit, I almost got into it for a living years and years ago. So, um, I still admire that, the, the culture, the craft, the agricultural aspect of it, very similar in some ways to cigars and tobacco. I see sure. the parallels, but I just, I just don't indulge in it. So there's a long way of answering your question. No, I would probably never go that route because I don't use the product. And it's to be authentic to me, you can't really sell something you don't use. Yeah. So I, I think, it, right. It's a lie. So, I mean, I can sell you this cigar because it's something I'm passionate about and I use and I, I indulge in tobacco, but wine or spirits, I, I can never probably brand that now because I would be lying if I said, oh yeah, this is, this has got great balance and da da da. da. Well, I'm not using the product. So yeah. that's probably out of the. Yeah, do do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, yeah. So I just uh, I'm not a, my my wife still enjoys cocktails and occasional wine and prosecco, but uh, for me, I just abstain at this point. I got too. Yeah. I always tell people I got too good at it. I had to retire my jersey. There you go. You mentioned coffee, mm -hmm. and you're in Nashville. You got mm -hmm. some good coffee down there. Yeah, they do. They do. We, um, Nashville's got a lot of good things about it. Food scene's great coffees, all that. I mean, coffee is something that I've literally been uh, using on a daily basis since I was in, I 
I think it was first grade was when I started drinking coffee, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I just, it That's was just part at. of my, yeah. I was just like, I would always have a cup of coffee with, with, with uh, evaporated milk to sweeten it a little bit. And that was part of my breakfast every day as a kid. And I just thought every kid drinks coffee, right? And now that my daughter is going into first grade, I'm like, I would never give her coffee. What the hell were they thinking, you know? And, um, but yeah, I've, I've used coffee every day of my life. So it's, it's something that I, that I always. So it pairs with cigars so well. It does. That's what I'm drinking right now. A little coffee sample blend. Um, you know, now I, I drink it black when I'm, when I'm smoking and tasting and stuff and, and I don't use any sweeteners or any of that stuff. So yeah, I've been I, getting, I, I'm getting lazy at home with coffee. I love coffee, but I've just been, <laughs> it's, mm. it's something. Yeah. I, I get into it. I, one of my favorite coffee stories is one I heard about Tom Petty before, um, before he passed, he was very interested in coffee. He was chasing like this perfect cup of coffee and he was like brewing at home and all this stuff. And um, so the story goes, he was in Malibu at this restaurant and he was eating, having breakfast and he had this coffee and he's like, this is like, this is what I've been looking for. This is the perfect cup of coffee. You have to take me into the kitchen and show me what are you doing? What are you blending? What are you roasting? Come to find out it was Folgers. And so it's the experience. Yeah. So he was like, you know, chasing this idea of this perfect cup of coffee. And it was, it was Folgers in a can that they were using at this cafe in Malibu. So I always thought that was a great story. There's, I mean, there's places like Crema mm-hmm. in Nashville that are just phenomenal. And then there's diner coffee, mm-hmm. two sides of the, the spectrum. But, but if both sides are positive, that's it. <laughs> If it gets the, the job done, you're enjoying it. That's all. And it's the same thing with cigars. I tell people like smoke what you like, you know, if, if, if it's not a crown heads, find something out there that you enjoy and, and expand from there. But right. You know, it's, it, nobody should dictate to you like, Oh, you should, you should like this because it got a 92 rating. So you, you should like, it. you might not like it. So find what you like. That's, it's part of the experience. It's part of the journey. Although I question people when they say I had my favorite cigar on the beach. Worst place uh, is when it's too. windy. Oh, it's exactly. terrible. Hundred percent. So it's like you I, don't, you didn't love the cigar. You love the memory the cigar brought you of the beach. Bingo. And exactly. that's which that carries weight. Yeah, I mean, but I'll have those cigars yeah, where the experience right. around it's great, and then I go back and smoke it, and I'm like, the cigar sucks. I can't. If I'm outdoors, <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole different taste thing. That's why I, I do everything in a closed environment, and I can actually taste it, and it's not windy. It's not. You don't have to deal with the humidity or the sun or the, the heat or the cold or whatever. So, right. I mean, I, I that's one thing I, I kind of miss is like when I, when guys tell me like they go home and they're in their man cave and they're having a cocktail and a cigar and they're just like kicking back. And I don't ever get to relish that experience. For me, it's it's really like work, work that I enjoy, but it's still work because I come in here and I'm running through blend samples and progressions and see how they change from week to week and then i'll go back and i'll spot check a cigar from our, our humidor see how this is doing and how that's doing how's this aging so it's it's not like i can just go back and go yeah i'm gonna kick back and watch a movie fire up a cigar it's, is that I, something you'd like to be able to do or you just sort yeah, of worked who, out of who wouldn't you know but it just sure. didn't work that way so it's, it's the trade-off for me i get to be employed in this business that i love um but i don't get the same experience that the end user might get Let's just say that. Right. Yeah. right. As long as you still enjoy it. I do. 100%. I mean, the, I feel like the second you, all work is work. 
and you'll have the days that you don't enjoy or the weeks or whatever work's yeah. supposed to be hard. Um, but when you're, when you lose the passion with what you're doing, find something else. I, I've always said that. And, and John O rest in peace was, he said that as well. He's like, look, if you get to a point where you don't love what you do. There's the door. Go ahead. No hard feelings. But if you're not enjoying this experience, you, you don't belong here. And I always remember that. And to this day, and I've been doing this since 96, I have not woken up once and gone, oh, I got to go to the office. It sucks. Fuck, man. What time is it? How much, how many more days till, till Friday? You know, never had that. Yep. Not, not even once, you know, and, and to the, the, the extreme of that is like, sometimes I'll, I'll wake up and go, I can't wait to get to the office and smoke that second blend that Ernie sent me because it's yeah. so good. And it, there's, that's, I've had that this week. In fact, I like, Oh, that woke up and I was like front of mind, like, man, I gotta get back and see that sample. It's so fucking good. So yeah, I've been very fortunate with that for sure. But I, I do uh, adhere to that. Like if this ever stops being fun and it gets to be a pain, I'll start exploring other things to do, but I don't think it's ever going to get to that because I've been doing it for what, 25 coming up 26 years. So, right. Yeah, I haven't had that that day. So, if you had if you had a bad day or what you would call a failure mm -hmm. with a project, mm -hmm. what how how do you define that? How would how would I define? You, you have people that that will um, their propensity is to uh, try to achieve their goal, mm -hmm. set a goal. They don't make it; they just get like down in the dumps, and they're like, "No, that didn't work," and then they just bottom out. Yeah. Um, then you have the other side of it where don't reach your goal. And then that just fumes or fuels um, motivation to either try again or find a new goal and just run after it. Um, I would fall into the latter category. Although I don't really, I mean, there are some goals, um, but I don't, I think. I think my, in my subconscious, my goal is to just be able to keep doing what I'm doing and enjoy the process. Right. So it's yeah. like, I don't have a hard set goal where I go, okay, um, I want to sell 1 million millibias by the end of the year. I never really said that. I never really think that to myself. I just think, okay, if we, you know, we're all happy here, we're enjoying this experience. We're getting, everybody's paid. Your benefits are good. Everybody's enjoying the ride in our group and everybody's taken care of. That's, I guess that's the goal for me, really. Um, but I don't really sit around and make hard and fast life goals of like, I want to buy this or I want to do that. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm not, I'm not that, that kind of person. I just really, I'm very focused about staying in the moment and just enjoying today because who knows if you're going to wake up tomorrow. Man. And I right. just don't know. Not to be morbid or morose, but no, that's, that's you, life. You know, nothing is guaranteed. And I just feel really strongly about that. And I try, I try because sometimes I fail at, like yesterday, I remember saying, God, nothing good happened yesterday. I was just in this shit mood. And it's just like it started tough and it ended tough. And But, you know, I wake up. I'm like, it's a new day. It's a new opportunity. It's brand new. That's done. Yeah. And it's in the record books. Let's go. So, so far. Yeah. So you, can have the, you can have the bad days or whatever's going on in life hit the bottom. And you're like, okay, this is good. I found the bottom. <laughs> like, yeah. I found a bottom can, a long time ago. They can push up. I, I really, I'm at a point in my life where like, I kind of look back and I go, there's nothing that somebody can do to me that I haven't survived. 
uh, you know, because right. it hasn't all been wine and roses. It's I've had some really hard periods in my life personally that I was able to get through and it, it motivates you to go, okay, come at me. Like there's nothing that you can bring that I, I haven't gone through, whether it be, you know, lack of love, lack of money, lack of security, whatever. I've gone through all of that. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I'm still here. So it's, you start to feel a little bit more confident. Right. That's exciting. So in Nashville, if people come visit Nashville, there, Which I've been to two shops. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is true. That's when people visit that. Nashville, there's yes. a lot of shops. Yes. I've only been to two. Which Casa. Two? Okay. Downtown. Yes. And then Smoker's Abbey. Those are the I think there's more than one of those. Are those the... Yeah, I was going to mention those are the those are the two that I always say for people to Casa because it's just it's in a great area. It's in the Gulch. You yep. can have a cocktail. It's a nice lounge setting. They carry a lot of different brands if you want that vibe. And then if you want the real like down and dirty tobacconist where you're going to get some really hard to find stuff, Abbey. Right. Know, those are always and then yeah, but there's there's plenty more than that. There's Nashville cigar. There's Franklin cigar. There's Bellmead Premium Cigars, there's Blend, there's, God. Uh, there, I didn't realize there's, there's that many down there. There's a ton. There is, and, and people, we still get new account applications. I'm like, where are they going to open this one? Like, you know, it's it's still, it's it's a good town for cigars. It really is. It, it I know you guys do some Nashville exclusives. Yes. Are those only, I, I bought some at Casa. Yeah. Is that the only shop you do them at or are they throughout <sighs> the city? No, that's well. We did do uh, an, uh, one for the Abbey called Sanctuary. That was God. I want to say about four or five years ago. Um, okay. We did one for them, but yeah, we do uh, Wabash Cannonball for Casa de Monte Cristo, Nashville, and we also yep. do Four Kicks Number Seven, which is a unique size for all of the Casa de Monte Cristos. But it was funny because just yesterday, this is a true story. I posted something on my Instagram story. Wabash, a picture of Wabash Cannonball. And I said, available exclusively at, and I tagged Casa Monte Cristo. Within two minutes, I got a DM, we're sold out. I'm like, oh, geez, sorry. And then they posted something that said sold out. So it looked like these things went for sale and sold out like in 30 seconds. And I had no idea they, they, they were sold out. So they were sold out before you? They were sold out before the, the picture. Yeah. I mean, it's been there for a while, but I wanted to kind of yeah. throw a little shine on it. And as it turns out, they don't have any more. So. I had one when I was down there in July. Mm-hmm. Um, and then someone brought me one that I smoked. Do you like it? Gosh, Friday, Saturday, yeah. but it was 40 degrees. Yeah. Windy. Uh, and I was relighting it constantly, which just killed it. Yeah. Um, but the one I had in Nashville was phenomenal. It is, and hats off to Ernesto for that one. That's Ernesto Perez Carrillo. He he did that for us. Um, it's a little five and a half by forty eight, which is one of my favorite sizes. And yeah, that's perfect size. Money. So yeah, I, actually, I I texted a screenshot of the sold out to uh, Brad Winstead, Winstead, who's the CEO of Costa Monte Cristo. Said you got to reorder. He's like, yeah, I was just going to hit you up and talk to you guys about that. So. Hopefully, before the end of the year, we'll see another uh, Wabash Cannonball here in Nashville. I'd, I'd like to get down there uh, maybe this spring sometime, summer. Absolutely. Schedule's crazy. Um, so we'll have to check it out and see if there, there's any at the shop. Yeah. So. Nashville's a great town just for everything now, it's, yeah. except for traffic. Traffic's been a bear. I didn't, but, I didn't think it was bad. Oh. Or did I just get lucky? 
you must have got lucky. Are you riding Ubers and, and bird scooters around town? I don't know. Because yeah, I mean, we stayed at one of the times we stayed at the Virgin mm-hmm. up on the hill on, on Music Row. Right. Um, and then the Omni downtown. The Omni was great because it's right there. But yeah, I stayed um, at the Omni. The Omni's nice. We stayed there uh, a couple years ago, did a little spend over. Um, yeah, but there's so many boutique hotels now. There's the Bobby, the Thompson, the Joseph. It's endless. It's it's the 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 landscape, skyline, what have you, of Nashville's changed so much since I moved here that it's it's unrecognizable for locals. You know, if you've been right. here for more than ten years, it's like things have changed so much. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, like even ten years ago, uh, my wife and I decided to move out of the city because um, we just wanted more. We wanted to be. We didn't want to be like right next door to our neighbors, so we found mm-hmm. a place that was. 25 miles out of town it was like on two and a half acres and it's just you get to breathe it's by the by the lake and um i love where we live but the caveat is that it used to take me like 25 minutes to get to work and now that commute can be an hour to an hour and a half at times so one way yes oh yes i did i drove an hour to work for too long so yeah i I feel that yeah, and I the I way the way in is usually it. Well, I think there's benefits to both. The way in is always like you get to charge up a little bit before you get to, yeah. to the office. The way back, if you had a shit day, you can decompress <laughs> before you get home. Yeah, there's 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 but there's the nice. days that you're like, I just want to go home. But just, just <laughs> the, physic, the physicality of of the commute it wears on you. It's just it it yeah. really does, you know. And it's just it, it, it's you're constantly. You're tense. You're looking. You're making sure you're not getting in an accident. There's wrecks. And yeah, it, you know it. It can be a grind. But I try to use the time in the car, like either making calls. Um, sometimes, um, other times, a lot. Most of the time, I'll either listen to music that inspires me, or I'll listen to like podcasts or YouTube interviews or all of those things that kind of find their way into the back of my head. That three months later find their way into a brand. Sometimes, so I try to make the most of my time. Very cool. If you had something to leave our audience with, what would that be? Carve your own path. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Dude. Just chase, chase your dreams, man. Just go for it. I mean, I always tell people like, you know, if you have a, a vision or an idea that you want to do this, if you're in a room with a hundred people, 90 of them are going to be too scared to fail and they won't even try. So now your odds are one in 10 that you're going to succeed, not one in a hundred. And it's just a matter of just doing it because I think people fear failure more than they aspire to success. And that's, that's not a good place to be. Just, just go for it. You'd be surprised. Right. Awesome. Well, this has been great. It's been fun, man. Thank you so much for carving out the time. I wish I had a cigar here. I'm in, I'm in, that's what I got to add. I got to figure out how to get some ventilation here so I can smoke a cigar and do podcasts. Or you can do like us and just have no ventilation and stink up the joint. I'm, I mean, I'm at home. <laughs> oh, so, cool. okay. Yeah, you don't want to do that. But man, sure if you come down to spring or whatever, just stay in touch. Are you doing the PCA show? Are you going to we'll be there? We'll be there. I'll see you there. Awesome. We'll have a brand Looking new booth. It. We'll have a brand new booth, whole new face. So that's right. Yeah, that's man, right. It's, it's been fun. Is there right. how big of a team yeah. are you bringing with you to PCA? Uh, most of them are over 200 pounds, if that's what you're referring to, but <laughs> no, um, how many guys, geez, I don't, I don't count the bodies. I count the square footage. So this year we'll be in a, a 1200 square foot area. 
with a brand new wow. booth that we're starting construction on literally next week. Um, so it's going to be exciting for all of us because nobody really knows what it looks like. We've seen 3D renderings and, you know, feel mm -hmm. us know what, what we're in store for. But until it's all set up and, and displayed and everything, it's it'll, it'll be a fun thing. Because right? when we first yeah. started this, like Mike and I had two chairs and a backdrop in uh, Orlando, I think was our first one. And it was, I guess it was one booth space. So it was like 10 by 10. So it was 100 square feet. So now we're in 1,200 square feet, professionally built booth for the first time. And I guess we'll have a probably maybe about a dozen guys out there. So okay. 10, 10 to 12. Yeah. So Very cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm excited to go. That I've never been to that event. That's yeah, um, great. It's great. I, I look forward to it. Um, not for the sales part of it. It's, it's always fun to see how people respond to what you're going to bring to the table. But just to see faces that I, I don't get to see throughout the year. Just right. even if it's like, you know, a nudge, you know, fist pound with Pete and swap a cigar with Dion or something. It's just, it's fun to see those guys again because we all have been doing this for quite some time. So it's, I like that. I miss that fraternal kind of feel. Right. That's, that's what the cigar industry brings. It's definitely a community. Absolutely. Definitely. So, definitely. Well, awesome. All right, bro. I'll let you go. This was great. See you. Thank you. Cheers. Bye, right, man. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the ATF Podcast. If you have not yet subscribed to ATF Magazine, go to atflifestyle.com slash subscribe to subscribe today.